don't know what those squares are talking about. Always rambling about something over there. First time on Urban Call Square in my life. <laughs> Hey everyone, you are tuned in to episode 16 of the Fantasy Hipsters podcast. What's going on? I'm your guy, Matt Franchise. Right here, I got my buddy, Matt Harmon. Hey. What's going on, Oh, Matt? hey, sorry. I was so in tune with my hand gestures that I was making at that. I, uh... <laughs> I, I didn't. I forgot to actually speak since this is a podcast. Wow! I thought you were giving me some kind of signal there. I was scared for my life. Nope, I was just hyped. I was get, trying to get hyped. Woo! You know, I'm, I'm hyped from that intro song. That song gets me hyped every time. It's a great one. By the way, if you guys, uh, if you guys have not checked out Ty Miller's band Oakstone Ashes, definitely do that. They're on Twitter at Oakstone Ashes, and even more importantly, check out their YouTube page because they're trying to get some more eyeballs to that YouTube page and yeah. uh, they've got some killer stuff over there Ty and his band do great work as you obviously heard with the intro song but what's going on buddy oh show yo my life is pretty boring mm. I don't know you know I got some things going on here and there some some loose ends I, I dove into the Jets wide receivers last week and got a piece up on number fire about Quincy Anunua so you guys can check that out but we're going to talk more in depth about that next week yes what's going on in your life well, I just got back yesterday from Montreal. Oh. Uh, yeah, and I, I have to say, okay, that's that's offensive. Now, after spending spending some time there, you're you're being Give offensive. Give me a break. But uh, you're it, offensive. No, yeah, well, that's true. But it was an awesome trip. Um, I am emotionally, physically, and spiritually, and financially exhausted from the trip. Uh, but it was quite, it was quite a show, man. That town is outrageous. Many, many stories that will not be told on the podcast, let's right. put it that way. Understood. Uh, but, you know, it was an awesome town. I definitely recommend uh, anybody get up there and visit, you know, whether you're going for... I mean, obviously, we went up for a bachelor party, so... It's a very popular bachelor party spot. Yeah, fill in the blanks with that. Yeah. Uh, bl- plenty <laughs> of good places to drink, plenty of good places to eat. Though I will say, the first day, we struck out big on the first like the first two restaurants we went to just weren't very good mm. and I was so pissed about it I took on a role which I am normally not ever which is like the Yelp guy yeah, everywhere, yeah, yeah. everywhere yeah. we went I had to clear it first like yeah. three and a half stars no Mm-mm, not going no. there so literally every place that we went I had to like review research blah 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 um, and then if 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 it ends up being a hit, you feel great about it. You're oh like, yes, yeah. this is my spot. Yeah, we cr- I I found us this like brunch place two brunch places two days in a row. Both of them are oh my god, so good. I would uh, you know I don't really I don't the names are a little tough uh, but whatever. Uh, great town. <laughs> and even if you're not going up to like party or whatever, there's a lot. Of, I posted on my Instagram pictures of like the street during the day mm-hmm. uh, in like some old churches that are there. It's a really good place to just go up and explore. Uh, but like I said, really good place to eat, drink. Hang out. A listener actually sent me a really good brewery recommendation, and we'll talk about that later in the show. Nice. But, uh, yeah. So, hey, man, you had I'm, I'm sure you had some late nights up there. I so did. So before oh, yeah. you went out to brunch, you probably looked in the mirror and were like, I got to do something with this hair, and you grabbed your Duchamp's hair wax. I did. I was rocking Duchamp's all weekend. There you uh, go. I was telling my buddies that I went up with, hey, guys, 
you got to get yourself some of this do champs grooming because uh, of course they don't listen to the podcast because they're bad friends. Right. Uh, but I was like, you got to get to get yourself some of these do champs products. Let my friends use the hair wax and hit them with the promo code that we have for our listeners, which is hipsters pod. So one word, one word. Absolutely. You go to DoChampsGrooming.co, you get yourself some vintage-inspired, handmade grooming products for the modern-day man. You slather that up in your hair after you put that promo code in, and you're going to be looking good. Or <laughs> in your beard, as you've, you know, you've, you're showing there. Don't put it on your hands before you put the promo code in, because then yeah. it'll get all over your keyboard. And, you know. That was a confusing yeah. list. I, like I said, I'm still kind of <laughs> trying to reassimilate to real life, man. I, I'm, uh, I gotta say, my, my body has been basically the last 24 hours has been like, hey, Matt, remember when you, uh, you used to like put really good stuff in here? Like, could use some kale, buddy. Remember when you used to go to? The, I'm not ripped anymore. I mean, five days off, I'm, I'm not ripped, bro. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, so remember when you used to work out? Uh, remember when we used to have money? None of those things are true. You still you look fine. Thanks. I went to, I did go to the gym this morning. I was like, oh, my God, I need to. I just, yeah. five days, bachelor party, brutal. Sometimes that first day back in the gym is rough, too. Felt good, though. Feel good. Feel centered. I'm going to try to get through the rest of this podcast because we've got a big show ahead of We've us. got a lot to talk about. All these teams, all these projections, and who's going to be the starters, and... Yeah. I think OTAs start off for a couple teams this week. They do. So so ESPN put out their projected 53-man rosters, uh, the depth charts for each team in the NFL. And we're essentially going to we, – we went through before the show. We picked the ones that are most interesting to us because we're not going to blow through all 32 teams that could – we're trying to keep. We're trying to keep these podcasts uh, a little shorter, you know, but failing at that. But we obviously don't want to have a two-hour show here talking about all thirty-two teams. But we went Correct. through, found the ones that are most interesting to us. So we'll kind of talk about what's what stood out from each one of them. Sure. All right. Let's get into it. So off the top here, we've got the Arizona Cardinals, uh, and there's a couple of interesting. There's a couple of interesting ones here t- to me. Uh, first of all, being uh, being John Brown as the starting wide receiver. I mean, obviously, I'm going to talk about John Brown. You're the Smoky Brown Whisperer I, over here. I love the guy, of course. And, you know, it, it seems that everything is going well. You know, you mentioned OTAs today. And I think yeah. I saw a note out of John Brown saying, like, he, you know, he looks – beat reporters, of course, saying he looks like back to his normal self. Yeah. Uh, he he feels some, really confident. Like a cyst on his spine or something weird. Yeah. He not only had – we knew he had the, the sickle – well, so, I mean, right, like, right. just talk about a disastrous uh, 2016 season for him. He got the concussion in training camp that lasted an outrageously long time, mm-hmm. which is weird because he didn't have, like, a, a big history of concussions or anything like that. But uh, then he also uh, then was diagnosed with a sickle cell trait, so then yeah. there was that. And then now, yeah, we see the reports about a cyst on his, his spine. And, and so, yeah, pretty much just lost year health-wise for yeah, him. But yeah. In the That's article, yeah, in the article, the Arizona reporter for ESPN, Josh Weinfuss, says uh, John Brown is is the is the second starting receiver, and his performance will be dictated by how well he's handling his health issues stemming from being diagnosed as a carrier of the sickle cell trait. So the team sounds like they're confident in managing it, and uh, I'm excited for. I mean, Brown's the easiest bounce back candidate to spot this year, in my opinion. For sure. I don't even I don't know what his ADP is, but I would imagine it's you can get him for a solid value right now because of the year he had last year. You would think uh, he's probably a candidate, though, to pick up a lot more hype because he was like a fifth to seventh round pick last year, and, and I could see right. him, you know, with the positive offseason creeping back up there. And, and Michael again. Floyd is gone now, so that's less competition. Right. I mean, really, the guys behind him, as the rookie they drafted in the third round, 
Um, and then they have the they have JJ Nelson back there who, who right. looks like he can play play roles a deep threat, but is also <laughs> super thin. Um, but the most I think the most important part of this offense because it's a tough one to project right now. Are they going to bounce back? Or are they going to kind of just be an all David Johnson focused offense? Mm-hmm. Is the offensive line right. and DJ Humphreys, their first round pick from a couple of years ago, is moving to the starting left tackle job, and veteran Jared Valdir, who missed a lot of time last year, is moving to the right tackle position. So. That Arizona Cardinals offensive line is probably the key to how they're going to do uh, as a, as a whole unit. Because in 2015 they had great line play, really good protection, which allows them to do that deep passing game that Ari- Arians wants to run. Yeah. Um, but if Veldier doesn't come back healthy, um, and you know he doesn't take to moving back to right tackle, which he hasn't played in a long time, and then if uh, DJ Humphreys is you know is not able to hold down the left tackle job for the first time in his career, uh, it could be a, a mess again, much like it was last year. Yeah, got to protect Carson Palmer back there. His time's running out. Yeah, seriously. Uh, next team we wanted to hit on was the Baltimore Ravens, and this oh one is God. just a wide-open yes. spot in terms of the skill position players. It's a mess out there, man. With the, the backfield, you got Terrence West, who's listed as a started a starter, uh, starting running back here because – Kenneth Dixon is suspended. Danny Woodhead's coming off an injury. So it looks like West is a lock to be the primary back out of the gate. Uh, and then we got the uh, the whole wide receiver thing there. Everyone's all the buzz about Mike Wallace and Brashard Perriman as values in MFL 10s and stuff because there's no one else there to compete for targets. And the Ravens threw the ball a ton last year. I think they were one of the top two teams in passing play percentage. Yeah. Um, and so we know they want to throw. But, yeah, their starting two receivers are Mike Wallace and Brashad Perryman. Like, those guys, if they hold those jobs, which I think – I mean, Wallace is a pretty underrated player, honestly. Like, he's had one disastrous year in Minnesota, but pretty much any time he plays – uh, 16 games, he finishes as a top 30 fantasy receiver, and this year he's primed to pretty much do the same thing, essentially, after having a 1,000 yards with the Ravens last year. Right. Perryman's the big question mark, and he's someone that's on my radar to uh, to chart after I finish all the reception perception work I'm doing, because I don't think he is on my list right now with, with the requirements uh, at the fantasy footballers, but I want to know if he has the potential to hold that spot, because, I mean, other than that, they don't have a ton of, of reliable depth. Uh, around them. Do you think the Ravens make a move at wide receiver before this season starts? Maybe. Uh, I feel like Jordan Matthews is is one of those guys who's been talked about in trades, mm-hmm. uh, trade conversations. Um, but they also got this guy Campanero, Michael Campanero, as the third guy. And I think he's been in the league a couple years and just can't say uh, healthy. He's, yeah, he's it's had just a lot in- of injuries. Injuries, but w- when we see him on the field, he he's made some splash plays and looked good. But it's just a matter of getting healthy. But yes, maybe they make a move, especially if they're going to be passing 650 times, you know, attempts in a season. Like they need someone else. They can't. Perriman's had uh, injury issues of his own. They can't just rely on these two guys for the entire season. So they yeah. got to look for some depth. I like mentioning Campanero. He's like a five nine, 190 pound slot receiver in that you know. Cole Beasley type of mold or whatever. Right. He only has 12 catches on his career <laughs> because he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Uh, he's 26 years old. He came out of Wake Forest. I liked him a lot as a college player. And like all these slot receivers, you know, they always fall to the third day. But that, you're right. He's definitely like a super sleeper to keep your eye on. Yeah. One move that I could, I would like to see them make is to sniff around uh, with the Jets in terms of trading for Eric Decker. 
Oh, uh, oh yeah. We'll talk about the Jets depth chart later on, but there's not a lot of clarity among Jets writers whether he's even going to be on the team or not. Right. And uh, then if he doesn't move, I think that's a perfect spot for him to come in and be kind of like Joe Flacco always seems to have like a, what Matt Williamson calls his whoopee. You know, like a, a just a guy to rely on. It's been Dennis Pitta before, Derek Mason, Steve, Steve Smith, Smith, for sure. I think Decker would be a natural fit for that spot. That makes sense. I can see how a lot of Jets beat reporters are saying Decker doesn't fit in the Jet on the Jets roster now. They're in rebuild mode. They have all these young, fast guys coming up. So yeah, we'll see. That's yeah. a good name to keep your eye on. No doubt. Uh, the next one is the Chicago Bears, and and this is a, in a similar mold to what we just talked about with the Ravens is really just a free-for-all uh, at the skill position players outside of running back Jordan Howard, who after a 1,300-yard rookie season is obviously going to come back. But yeah, it starts with the top with, with Mike Lennon, who's entrenched as the starting quarterback since they gave him uh, $16 million guaranteed. But do you see him holding the job for the entire year? Um, I don't think they would have dra- traded up to draft Tr- Trubisky second overall if they didn't expect to get him under center at least a few times in a you know start a few games like later in the season i've been seeing whispers or predictions that you know by midway through the season trubisky's gonna gonna get some snaps under there and it's the only way for for a rookie guy to really get that kind of experience um it would be unfair for to glennon to just cut like keep him benched at the start of the season but i can see them moving towards trubisky as the season goes on especially if glennon struggles and uh, or gets injured or whatever the case may be probably has a lot to do with their performance as a team too yeah, i mean if the if, bears are losing then if there's no hope might as well throw trubisky in there and see what he can do i would i would honestly even if they're i would like to see who knows if this is what's going to happen but i would like to see them rest trubisky the entire year i mean just not rest but but keep him on ice the entire year i mean jay cutler even said himself like what's the point if your team is going to be a dumpster fire like why get out there and have him be which is i love i love unhinged cutler that's gonna be fun (laughs) this is gonna be a fun uh thing with him in the media now but you know i I, he said like why why even bother exposing him to that um i kind of i kind of get it from that perspective like just let glennon play the year out even if the bears are bad don't give into temptation about playing the rookie and just just let him come in there fresh in, in 2018. Kind of reminds me of what the Rams did last year with Jared Goff. They said they weren't going to use him at all, and then... Eventually succumbed to fan and media pressure. Yeah, it's a hard just, thing they to did. Do. That's what happened. It's a hard thing to do, and the Bears are kind of in a similar spot in terms of they have a veteran head coach um, that doesn't necessarily seem to be on the same page with the front office. Um, so, I, like I said, I would like to see Trubisky wait the entire year since they have a capable starter in theory. Yeah. Um, but we've already seen with the Rams last year that's a good example to bring up that that hardly ever happens. Yeah. Uh, the Bears wide receiver core is interesting to me. They have Cameron Meredith, Kevin White, and Marcus Wheaton as the one, two, three there. The interesting omission is, of course, Kendall Wright, who they also signed in free agency al- alongside Marcus Wheaton. But it looks like right now, uh, the Bears writer for ESPN, who's Jeff Dickerson, expects it to be Wheaton and not Wright as the number three receiver. He doesn't even mention Wright on here. No. and That's crazy. Because he's like a veteran guy with good experience and he's had some good seasons. Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, that... that Marcus Wheaton is the inferior player to Kendall Wright, okay. but as we often see, and we should remember, it doesn't really matter what we think. It matters what the team thinks. And Wheaton got a bigger contract than Wright, and you know he has probably the edge to 
start right now. Uh, Kevin White, of course, has to stay healthy and perform. He's kind of the wild card, but I think this is good for Cameron Meredith, who, you know, he you could have thought that he was going to lose snaps to Kendall Wright in the slot, but yeah. he took a ton of snaps as the big slot receiver last year towards the end of the year, And but he was awesome all year. His reception perception, which I'm going to plug a lot here because uh, we're in the last few last few weeks here of the charting process and the ultimate draft kit, which you can find at receptionperception.com. There's a link to buy it there uh, where I'm going to have data for the top 50 NFL receivers projected by the fantasy footballers. And one of them is going to be Cameron Meredith. And I think people will be really excited to read what his data foretells for, uh, for his season going forward after having pretty much a breakout year last year. Yeah. All right, cool. I like it. I'm into it. He led the bears last year in receiving. So it'll be cool to see how they, uh, incorporate him this year if he's their number one guy no doubt so more Bengals or I mean excuse me more receiver related notes we're going to talk about the Bengals here Bengals and the Bengals are interesting uh their writer Catherine Terrell notes that Brandon LaFell could lose some catches to new rookie wideouts but he'll still be a big part of the Bengals three wide receiver set um the formation that they used most last season so it sounds like we shouldn't expect LaFell to necessarily lose that starting number two spot as the outside receiver. Yeah. And uh, look, people hate Brandon LaFell. Um, <laughs> Everyone hates him. I don't think he's great or anything, but he's a veteran that the team trusts. And, you know, the uh, the longstanding history of the Marvin Lewis era is that they don't necessarily just want to throw uh, some of these rookies right into the fire. I mean, they have it at other points when they've been desperately needed. But they kind of had to with Boyd last year when Green went down. Right, but even so, they didn't just necessarily throw him all the workload. Right. LaFell stepped in as the number one wideout. Right, um, right, right. And speaking of Boyd, Terrell notes that with John Ross still recovering from labrum surgery and finishing up school, Boyd will be the main slot receiver for the near future. And, I mean, that's to be expected. I think Boyd is going to be one of their top three receivers. But it's, it's fascinating to me that they would say, or that, that Terrell would note that Ross seems to be in competition for that slot receiver spot, right. not the outside job. I was going to say, isn't Ross kind of a one-trick pony with his speed? He's I mean, like a deep threat kind of guy. I think he's underrated as a technician and as a route runner. I think he can definitely get separation at on more than just vertical routes, but he didn't play a lot of slot snaps in college, and, and you would think that with his frame and you know mentioning the injury concerns, you wouldn't necessarily yeah. want to expose him to big hits over the middle playing from the slot. You'd want him to stretch the field outside yeah. and run yeah. some more outbreaking patterns, but it seems that perhaps the Bengals might target him as a big play slot receiver, and that would put the two young guys in competition with each other while Brandon LaFell might be entrenched as that starting number two wide receiver. Yeah. And because everyone hates LaFell, he's one of these guys you can get late in a, in a fantasy, in a redraft league, and just kind of have him hang out on your bench and plug him in as a flex when you need a guy in a bye week or something. And he can produce, and it's just uh, he just gets all this hate for the wrong reasons. Right. I mean, just because he's had some disappointing years or whatever, but... Um, I think the one thing we can glean for sure from this is that there's not a big expectation that John Ross is going to come in and inherit a lot of target volume. Right. He's not someone that I'm really interested in drafting, even with like a late round flyer in a redraft league at this point. Um, I I'm think with he, you on that. I think he's a big, big help to the Bengals as a team, and I'm really excited for his fit in the pros. Right. Uh, but I don't think that's going to bleed over into a lot of year one production. Gotcha. I'm with you. The Lions are another interesting depth chart to talk about with their skill position players. So right now, you know, we talked about Amir Abdullah and my my drafting of him with James Coe on our last flagship episode. Right. Uh, and that a lot of that is 
why I drafted him is confirmed in this article. Uh, as the, the Lions writer points out, general manager Bob Quinn said he was the starter after the draft Saturday. But seeing how he handles spring workouts after missing almost all of the past season with a foot injury with an injured foot will be critical. For sure. And Abdullah, I mean, he played in all 16 games as a rookie. He only started nine of them. Uh, and he had, in his rookie year, he had 143 attempts for 597 yards, two rushing touchdowns. Last year, he only played in two games, had 18 attempts for 101 yards. I don't think we've, we don't know what Amir Abdullah is yet, you know, at the NFL level. We haven't mm-hmm. seen enough of him. So what, what round did you draft him in? Like the fifth? I took him in the fifth. Yeah. I mean, at that point, too, and your argument was, you know, the guys behind him that are still left on the board aren't the greatest names. Um, So you're kind of taking a chance there on the potential of him being the primary back in Detroit and losing some snaps to Riddick on passing downs. Uh, But I think they want to give him a shot because they drafted him so highly a couple years ago. And he's he's going to stay healthy. He's going off the board as the 30th running back right now in redraft league. That's good value. And that's perfect. I mean, that's an area where I don't really think if he starts all 16 games, I don't, I think his floor is higher than the 30th running back because if he's going to assume all the touches, I mean, it's not like he it's necessarily going to be the goal line back or or be a primary pass catcher, but he still does get some catches when he's in there. Oh, yeah. um, oh, so, yeah. and it's an improved offensive line too. I mean, all all about the offensive line this year in free agency as they brought in Rick Wagner and T.J. Lang, who are the starters at right guard and right tackle. The other interesting note from the Lions depth chart is that third round pick Kenny Galladay. Uh, the writer Michael Rothstein notes that he could be Detroit's number three receiver and an outside red zone threat early in his career. Yeah. When you look at the Lions receiving core, they have uh, Marvin Jones, obviously, who he disappeared in the second half of the season, but also he, I think he was a little overmatched as like the primary X receiver. He needs to be more of a flanker, a number two guy. Golden Tate is going to move back into the slot, uh, and he's super you know, dynamic after the catch. He's strong, contested situations, and gets his his reception perception is perfect for him because his best routes are the slot I mean the slant the dig and the flat like just those short to intermediate area patterns um he's going to move back into his more natural position but that does leave a spot open uh on the outside and I think that will be taken by Kenny Galladay at least that's the hypothesis here from ESPN writer yeah you could uh soak up some of those targets Anquan Bolden had last year uh, Bolden had like a ridiculous number of touchdowns. I feel like last year. I think too. he had eight or something. Yeah, like that's that. that's crazy. Yeah, right. <laughs> but he'd he'd have like two catches for twenty yards and a touchdown. But I mean, for a rookie, if Galladay can take over that kind of production, that would be huge. He's definitely a sleeper to watch. Yeah, keep, the, keep your eye on him in camp and see how they're incorporating him. Yeah, because I mean, them. after after Jones and Tate, like kind like T.J. Jones or whatever, yeah. like just. Total no names are there at the receiver depth chart. So, and they they placed a big uh, priority drafting Kenny Galladay in the third round, which is higher than a lot of people uh, expected. Just hope for the best with Jim Bob Cooter. No doubt. Take the um, reins, buddy. The Packers are a fascinating depth chart too. Uh, their their ESPN writer Rob Domofsky Domofsky is one of the best in the business. Um, he has Ty Montgomery as the starting running back and notes that coach Mike McCarthy proclaimed him the starter even after the Packers drafted three running backs. And hmm. he says of those rookies, Jamal Williams is the one who could push Montgomery for the job. What's your reaction to that? That makes sense. I mean, Montgomery knows the offense. He was in the running back rooms for most of the season last year. So he knows that the, the the scheme they're trying to run and all that stuff. And he's his his skill set, I feel like, is underrated. He's a big dude, mm-hmm. and he's ripped. 
and uh, I he's think two twenty. I mean, he's over two twenty. Yeah, people I, think he, of him as a scat back. Right, he's definitely he's underrated as a power guy. I think just because people are used to seeing him with the wide receiver number on his jersey and all that stuff, um, so I can see him getting the start. But I think they need they need a a, a banger like Jamal Williams in there, um, you know, so that Montgomery's shelf life can last into late in the season when they need wins and in the postseason. And I think Jamal Williams and even Aaron Jones could spell him at times and give him a break. And I think it's just going to be a weird committee there, and we're never going to really know who who the guy is going to be on on a week-to-week basis. But it's going to be interesting to see Jamal Williams uh, in camp and see if he can take the job or if they just leave Montgomery in there because he's a veteran. We'll see. But, okay, I mean, I love Jamal Williams. Let me, let me ask you two questions. What? Over, under... Top 15 PPR finish for Ty Montgomery in 2016. Over or under? Over, as in inside the top 15. Yes. Over. So you're taking over. Yeah. Okay, I agree with you there. Jamal Williams, over, under, round 10 ADP. Would you take him above that or under that? I would take him under that. Okay, and what round? By that time, there's (laughs) there's no running backs left, so... So you're, you're I'll just, take a chance on Williams there as a Packers number two. So you're taking him in like the t- ninth, tenth round is mm-hmm. what you're saying? Okay, mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, I, I think he, Jamal Williams, you know, based on preseason hype, could be a candidate to get overdrafted, and I really like Montgomery as a as a top 15 PPR back, I mean, for sure, as long as he stays healthy and, you know, holds the starting job. The other interesting notes yeah. from the Packers depth chart, uh, Domofsky does note that it's a critical year for Randall Cobb, uh, even though he is listed as... One of the three receivers, the Packers wide receiver core might be one to get into at some point because this is a, it's an, it's kind of, they're kind of all at career crossroads in a way to me. But again, I don't want to spend too much time on that right now. We'll talk about that in a later show. On defense, it is interesting for the Packers that Kevin King, their second round pick at number 33 overall, and former Jaguars and also former Packers cornerback Devon House is back and is listed as the star, those two are the starting cornerbacks. Um, the Packers secondary last year was disgusting. It was pretty terrible. I mean, they were injured, right? There was just injuries everywhere. They had a slew of injuries. Sam yeah. Shields is gone now. Yeah. Uh, their 2015 first-round pick, Demarius Randall, was a big disappointment. Guys like Ladarius Gunter, who runs a 4-7, were taking snaps. He was, like, shadowing Odell Beckham and Julio Jones in the playoffs. Like, that's not a spot you want to be in. No. Um, but Domofsky notes that there are a lot of options at cornerback, but not a lot of clear-cut solutions. So this could be a secondary that, once again, uh, is a sore spot unless Kevin King comes in and you know plays his ass off right away. But rookie cornerbacks do have a tendency to start a little bit slower. Interesting. The Colts are a minorly fascinating depth chart. Um, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like their offense right now, uh, Mike Wells is the is their beat writer for ESPN uh, for the Colts. Their offense is pretty stagnant. I mean, guys like Frank Gore and Dante Moncrief are still listed as starters, even though Gore is a thousand years old, and Moncrief has not lived up to his potential because injuries slowed his 2016, um, and his development is a little bit off track right now. Um, do you think Dante Moncrief? What, where you say where where do you think he finishes as? I'm going to give you over under top 30 wide receiver. I next think. Year. I think he finishes in inside the top 30. Uh, I just think he's a little overrated. I think it's all about the hype. There's been hype about this guy for two or three seasons now, and he hasn't come through on that. 
Um, and last year it was injuries, and Andrew Luck was injured last year, and they haven't had a great offensive line for a couple years. And uh, I still think he finishes in top 30 in standard leagues, but I don't know. I just want to see – like I want I need to see him do this. I think what your sentiment here is is exactly the same as what the front office would say. Uh, and they yeah, said as right. much when right. new GM Chris Bay. Yeah, right. You're you're basically a cult front office. Yeah. <laughs> now that they have a new front office, that's actually a positive thing to say. If I said that under the Ryan Griggson era, then it would probably be a little bit of shade. Slander. Yeah, but Dante Moncrief. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in the talent. I know. Uh, I know you are. I love. I love the how how good the guy is, but at the same time, like you said, eventually. You, know, you got to do something with yeah. it, or you're going to get replaced, especially by a new GM. Who, uh, when talking about Kamar Aiken after the draft, he said, "Not only did we bring him in to challenge Philip Dorsett at the number three position, but this is also a challenge for Dante Moncrief." So, um, Kamar Aiken could easily be a guy who has a big role in this passing offense. Um, he was my last round pick um, with a special note uh, after I drafted him in our, in our NFL fantasy mock draft. Um, which didn't make it onto the website, but hmm. was deleted. Curious, but anyways, uh, Dante Moncrief is definitely going to have to, like you said, show that talent at some point eventually. The other thing we got to watch out for is Andrew Luck, who's coming off shoulder surgery. He's not going to be there for workouts in the off season, so a lot of Moncrief's production hinges on the health of Andrew Luck too. So that's something to keep your eye on. Yep, uh, the offensive line is still in a little bit of flux on the on the right side, um, with Joe Haig and LaRaven Clark set to start uh, after getting a little bit of experience last year. But the one note on the Colts I wanted to mention too is that their defense looks much improved on paper, uh, with a, the signing of Jonathan Hankins from the New York Giants, who's yeah. a big run stuffer. Um, that kind of rounds out their trio there on their three four defense. John Simon has 10 sacks in his career. He was brought over from the Texans. Uh, they they kind of have remade that entire defense. And also the probably the biggest addition, um, the biggest two additions was Quincy Wilson out of Florida, who they who they have listed as a starter. And of course Malik Hooker was their first round pick, um, and he's supposed to be a big ball hawker. And you know probably drew some over aggressive comparisons to Ed Reed during the draft process. So Colts defense might be one to look out if that if that catches up a little bit to. The offense, they could, you know, really assert themselves in the AFC South, despite the fact they're kind of getting overlooked right now with people loving on the Titans and, of course, uh, the Texans basically winning that division every year. Yeah, true that, true that. Watch out for the Colts. Moving along to the Chiefs, uh, minorly boring here with the Chiefs, but uh, the Chiefs are never exciting. No, but ne- never. One player that is exciting is Tyreek Hill, and they have him listed as one of the three starters at wide receiver alongside. Jeremy Macklin and Chris Conley. Right. What's what are your thoughts on on Hill this season? He's another player that I drafted. I drafted him in the sixth round of our NFL fantasy mock draft. I think he's going to be overvalued because of his crazy production last year. He had like a streak of five or six games in a row where he had like a sixty-yard touchdown run or reception or kick return. I don't think he can repeat that, but I think. He, I think his snap count's going to go up this year. I don't think he was on the field a whole lot last year as they were kind of feeling out what his skill set was, how he can contribute to that offense. I think they know who he is now, and I think they're going to incorporate him in creative ways to keep defenses on their toes. And I think he might even take over the number one spot here over Jeremy Macklin. Right, see, that's the thing. And I think if he... 
if any of those things come to pass, then he's going to not be an overvalued player necessarily. And True. So I think the biggest thing with, with him and the fact that he is listed as one of the starters here kind of gives me a good feeling that I might be correct on that is that I think in analyzing him based on what he did last year mm-hmm. is a little bit foolish just because I don't think the Chiefs want to keep him in that same role. So it's like I will you will guarantee see a lot of people in the preseason in and the lead up to offseason workouts be like, "Oh, Tyree Kill, not going to do what he did again last year, but me." Yeah, but but, but I mean, so I, and I'm I'm just having the conversation with you right now. My my side of it is well, who cares? Do we even know that that's what they're going to ask him to do? And they're True. they're going to get, you know, you'll see comparisons to like Tavon Austin and everything, but Tavon Austin sucks at football. Tyreek Hill does not suck at football. Right. So, He's I don't proven that. Yeah, I don't see how that's a that's the situation. So for me, the key on analyzing Tyreek Hill for 2017 is not going to be can he repeat his rushing receiving combo efficiency from uh, from 2016 as a rookie? I don't think anybody's arguing that. To me, the key is can he develop into more of a traditional full-time receiver? And when you look at his reception perception results, they're really encouraging. Yeah, uh, I'll say that. And um, I think the Chiefs know that and are probably. I mean, this is I'm just guessing. Are trying to work on him to get him to be that guy because yeah. they see that the skill set is there. I mean, he led the team in targets last year with 83. So. Yeah, he had an above-average success rate versus coverage on every route on the route tree aside the corner, flat, and the what I categorize as other routes, which are just kind of everything else. Uh, he didn't run any comebacks, so that one didn't qualify. But, you know, obviously we're, we're, we're dealing in small samples here with yeah. him in terms of his route uh, assignments, but still some encouraging notes in that he, I think he could be, you know, he could end up fulfilling that ADP. And even so, you got to take him knowing that you're going to get some of those spike weeks. Oh yeah, for sure. He can. His ceiling is kind of unlimited. Only other note from the Chiefs is that right now they have Spencer Ware as a starting running back, which is to be expected. But uh, right. Adam Teicher does note that rookie Kareem Hunt should also get a lot of work. That'll be fun to which, watch. Who do you expect to be the better back this year? Mm, that's a good question. That's why I asked. I don't know, man. Last year, Spencer Ware was kind of disappointing. He wasn't very efficient. Uh, I think if Kareem Hunt can show that he is uh, capable of handling a, a larger workload, that they might just start giving him the ball more. If Ware can't, if Ware is averaging like three and a half yards per carry, like might as well give the rookie a shot. I love Spencer Ware. I just think he's a little overrated. Yeah, that that'll be a fun one to track in the off season. Yeah. Moving on to the L.A. Chargers, uh, their writer uh, notes that. Keenan Allen, Tyrell Williams, and Travis Benjamin are the one, two, three at receiver, right. uh, which of course leaves Mike Williams off. But uh, Williams does note that it's confusing. They have Tyrell Williams as a wide receiver, Mike Williams as a wide receiver, and their ESPN writer, also last name Williams, Eric D. Williams. So it's a lot of Williams <laughs> going on with the Chargers right now. This is hard to keep track of, but Eric Williams, the writer, notes that. Travis Benjamin will have to hold off rookie Mike Williams, the wide receiver, to keep his starting job. It makes sense. Yeah, I mean he's a rookie. He's got to earn his got to earn his role. The Chargers also like don't forget that they paid Travis Benjamin a pretty decent chunk of change last year. Coming he over had, from the Browns. Yeah, he yeah. struggled with injuries. He still had over 600 yards. Had some big games. Uh, he was really off to a hot start. 
um, when Keenan Allen first went down. Right. Um, and then that kind of moved over to Tyrell Williams when Benjamin struggled with injuries. I think he injured a PCL as well. But Benjamin could be, if he holds on to that number three job, um, or maybe even the pseudo number two, he could end up being a big value this year as people just completely overlook him. But he, he's a he's a good player. He is a he, he's one of he's one of the guys I really like at, at wide receiver. And uh, Tyrell Williams is interesting because you know the team is obviously sending a message that they thought that their receiver core needed a a big body and and a big resource in Mike Williams taking him at seventh overall. Like one of these guys is going to fall by the wayside. Who is it? Tyrell Williams. I'm a big fan of his game. A lot of people are big fans of his game, but if the Chargers aren't, you know, he might be the odd man out uh, when we're, you know, talking midseason. I also think on, uh, you know, on the topic of them needing another big body in this wide receiver core, it might be an insurance move because they might not have full confidence that Keenan Allen can stay healthy, and they've been wrecked by injuries the last two seasons, and Keenan Allen has been a huge one. So maybe it's kind of a depth play for them and see how it plays out. And like if a guy like Benjamin or Tyrell Williams goes down, then they can just plug Mike Williams in there. And uh, Where do you slot Keenan Allen in like your hypothetical rankings right now? Among um, wideouts? Our buddy 14-team mocker was – I saw this on Twitter as I was flying yesterday. I got to do, Sh- Sh- do rankings, first of all. I, I don't have those yet. Well, I will put off rankings as long as possible. Yeah. I, I hate <laughs> rankings. But just kind of – just like hypothetically, um, like I said, 14-team mocker, shout-out to – Shout out to Airplane Wi-Fi. Was seeing him tweet about this yesterday as I was flying. Uh, you know, saying like he would bet anybody. I think that he, that Keenan Allen was going to finish ahead of guy ahead of any wide receiver outside of guys like Brown, Beckham, Julio. I think AJ Green was on his list too. But like we're talking guys like Mike Thomas, Des Bryant, um, Alshon Jeffrey, all these sort of play. Ty Hilton. I think he took somebody. Like he was saying he would literally bet anybody on that. Um, and a lot of people obviously took him up on that, but. Where do you kind of slot Keenan Allen right now? Is he a top eight guy for you? Top 10? Top 15? I think he's definitely top 12. I got to look at the list. I think Demarius Thomas is sliding out of there for me. I'm not, I'm down on Demarius this year. So that's one guy out of that top 12 that I can just kind of make room for. Right now, I'm going to say top 12, maybe top 10. I think top eight is pushing it. Okay. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, that, uh, I'm pretty confident in Keenan Allen. I mean, I love the player. Yeah. He's fantastic. Um, I'm pretty confident in him. I'll take the chance on the injuries. I do think, like, I don't know that I would just pencil in 170 targets for him at this point because, I mean, they, like we were talking about, they have all of these other guys. And yeah. even beyond the wide receivers, you know, they have two really good tight ends. But uh, Eric Williams, yes. not any of the receiver Williams, uh, notes that Antonio Gates, he lists him as the starting tight end over Hunter Henry. Uh, yes, and not to uh, go overboard on this ESPN stuff, but Matthew Barry said the other day on his podcast that he spoke to a guy who was an assistant offensive coach for the Chargers last year, and he told Barry that last season the Chargers did make an effort to get Gates the ball because he was trying to break that touchdown record, and they did that early in the season, and then he tied the record. Uh, and then they kind of like backed off a little bit. So now that he's got, he's tied with the record, this season going into it, they're more focused on getting Hunter Henry involved. Hmm. Um, it's, it'll be his second year there, and I think they're going to kind of – they know Gates is going to break that record eventually, but they're not going to force the ball to him. 
That's what that's what Barry said on his podcast, which is a little nice little nugget of information. If we're trying to decide between Gates and Henry, it looks like the team is starting to move mm-hmm. towards Henry Moore as their guy. Well, two things. One, we can promote ESPN as much as we want to here. This podcast is not officially tied with the NFL. Okay. So, hey, we don't have to worry about being company men or anything like that on, on this podcast. That's why we're underground. Right. And two, <laughs> uh, like, I, I think just all of this says that I wouldn't go too aggressive projecting uh, Hunter Henry for like a, a breakout season for one the reason that again we keep coming back to there's a lot of a lot of targets and you know only so many balls to go around mm-hmm. um, and there seems to at least be some debate between people whether Gates or Henry is the guy this year um, you know we could be looking at more of like 2018 2019 is the time to buy Hunter Henry yeah. as a top tight end just do it now do it now speaking of something right. to not do now uh, ever <laughs> let's talk about the Rams oh no <laughs> uh, the Rams are fast are fascinating though from this perspective you know there are two rookies that they took in the second and third round uh, Gerald Everett and Cooper Cup are listed as starters over teams that were over guys that were drafted last year being uh, Farrow Cooper and Coop and Mike Thomas at uh, wide receiver and Tyler Higby. Uh, as a tight end last year. So right. we've got Gerald Everett and Cooper Cup listed as starters here. Yeah, I have no idea what to make of this Rams offense, dude. Well, the hardest, just... the hardest part is, like, is any of it going to even matter? Because, you know, I like Sean McVay as a coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked the Washington offense. You know, you can obviously say, like, how much did he have to do with it? How much did Jay Gruden have to do with it? Yeah. But I still think McVay is a talented offensive mind, but... Yeah, Jared Goff had, like, two good throws last year. I know, so... I know. <laughs> well, they threw him into the fire. He wasn't ready. Definitely uh, not. Definitely not. But it's 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 worth the conversation of like you know, is he ever going to be ready? fixable? <laughs> uh, and I know that's tough to say already. But I mean, we again, we don't have any good indicators to go off of. There's this blurb on Rotor World from the other day saying Rams offensive coordinator Matt Lafleur said Jared Goff has picked up picked up the new offense, quote unquote, surprisingly fast. Hmm. But that might just be an off season trope. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But. Uh, it's it's just uh, it does look like that they're going to go with a up tempo spread offense, which is good for Goff. That's what he needs: spread the field with wide receivers. Mm-hmm. It's also bad news for Todd Gurley, who's more of a traditional between the tackles running back. But you know we could talk about that oil and water a little bit later. The Rams, I mean, they're they're gross, but they're a fascinating team to me just in terms of how all these players are going to fit together. Because Gerald Everett, you know, Sean McVay kind of intimated already that he's going to be his Jordan Reed, so that does make him. I mean, if he's going to get immediate playing time, that's 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 exciting. that's exciting. Yeah. Um, and then the thing about the wide receivers is like they don't have a true X at this point. Cooper Cup, I, in my opinion, is like a, a kind of a poor man's Jarvis Landry type player. Yeah. Big slot receiver who wins contested catches. Robert Woods, I like as like a utility slot flanker sort of player. Tavon Austin is you know whatever. Um, but again, they don't have like an outside yeah. X wide receiver. It does make you at least want to kind of keep in go- keep in mind a player like a Mike Thomas who was a f- fan of many people in the draft community last year. His reception perception was pretty positive overall, so you know, he's a guy to at least keep in mind because of, of all these players, he's the one who kind of profiles most as an X receiver. But he's not even listed here on the projected starters in this article. No, I wouldn't expect him to be. But I mean, you think Woods would play that X role out of a gate? If- I guess. Yeah. Because it's not going to be, I mean, it can't be Austin. And I don't yeah. think Cup is that guy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. No, I Crazy. Mean, it's, they're just a team that's going to be fun to watch these players sort out. Ugh. 
Yeah, agreed. And nice. also remember last year they moved from St. Louis to LA and there was all that drama about the moving and they're all, you know, getting used to the life in Hollywood now. Uh, so hopefully those cobwebs are gone and they were in hard knocks last year and they were all in the spotlight. Hopefully like that whole atmosphere is gone. Jeff Fisher is mm-hmm. gone. Like hopefully it's a new it's a new new era for the Rams. That's that, that would be good. Yeah, you would hope that that's the case. Uh, yeah. The only other thing to note about the Rams... Oh, by the way, we should mention Josh Reynolds is another guy that... Uh, he was a rookie drafted this year, and he's a guy who could definitely fit into that ex-receiver archetype. So I think guys like Josh Reynolds, Mike Thomas, those will be deeper sleepers to keep your eye on because if this Rams offense clicks, that's a big if. But you know they might, they might get some surprising amount of targets because, again, they have different skill sets than the players already kind of set to be high-volume players. So they could be some complimentary uh, assets to watch out for. And the only other thing to note about the Rams is that they're moving – you mentioned moving cities. Now they're moving to a 3-4 defense under Wade Phillips. Um, and it's just – I don't know. <laughs> it, it, do these guys fit in a 3-4 is the question because – you know, we have, like, Aaron Donald's one of the best interior defensive linemen in the NFL, and I'm sure they will still continue to put him in positions to succeed, but he's moving positions. Robert Quinn, who was, uh, you know, a high-value pass rusher, has kind of fallen off lately, but with injuries, um, he's moving positions. Uh, Michael Brockers is playing nose tackle. Dominique Easley, who was a really productive under-tackle last year, he's moving to a, a 3-4 defensive lineman position. This defense was kind of, I mean, especially the pass rush was kind of the calling card of the team. Yeah. You have to wonder if they're doing any damage by moving systems, which is something I'm generally not in favor of. Yeah. I mean, there might be a learning curve. It might be a season where they're adjusting, and then next year they they kind of come back ready to rock, but we'll see. Vikings, a couple of interesting notes here. Uh, Latavius Murray's listed as the starter, but the writer notes that Dalvin Cook should have a significant role as well. Yeah. Um, you can probably count me out on being interested in either one of those guys this year. How about you? Uh, Cook is kind of intriguing, but uh, a guy over at Number Fire, Jason Shandel, just wrote an article that says stop drafting Dalvin Cook as at his current cost. His ADP right now in redraft leagues is like round four. Yeah, that's which is nuts. insane given they have Laddie Murray back. There's probably going to start the year as the you know at least the early down guy, and then they'll develop Cook. Um, and, and I think Laddie Murray's going like in the ninth round. So his article is basically talking about like the history of rookie running backs and their production and fantasy. And Zeke was kind of an outlier last year. And that's yep. the kind of mindset people are going into this year with, with a deep running back class that, um, of rookies. I like Cook. I don't like him at his current ADP. I, yeah, I mean, even if, even if Murray wasn't there, I think that would be super aggressive for an offense that didn't show that they could run the ball all that well. And, you know, Jerick McKinnon's kind of the forgotten man, but... So sad. I, I think he will still <laughs> play a role as a pass catcher in some sort of way, because he can at least make plays in space. And we saw that, especially, you know, kind of in the latter portions of last year. He could still be functional as a pass catcher. Yeah. Uh, speaking of their pass catchers... 20, uh, 2016 first-round pick Laquan Treadwell is listed uh, as a starter in a three-wide receiver set alongside one of my favorites, Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen, who was productive last year. But the writer notes that it doesn't give a very uh, strong endorsement. He said, Treadwell is here for now after disappointing rookie season, but he'll have competition from slot receivers such as Rodney Adams and Stacey Coley, if that's where they want to play him, as well as Michael Floyd on the outside once his suspension is over. Floyd was just added to the Vikings roster this past week. Ugh. Man. I hope Laquan Treadwell 
can do do stuff this year. That would be nice. That would be nice to see. I was a big Treadwell fan. Uh, well, you have to kind of at least talk to talk yourself into the fact that last year wasn't just an indicator his career is going to be a complete flop. Is yeah. that Mike Zimmer has been conservative with rookies before, um, and maybe this is that sort of situation playing itself out again. Um, and maybe it, maybe if Treadwell does hold down that number three receiver job, we could start to see some early progress from him. I know Adam Thielen was productive at the end of last year. I have a little bit of some questions whether that can continue. Right. And there's also uh, Patrick Shermer is the offensive coordinator, right? Uh, he took over like week five or six last year. He so. did, and they moved to a much more like get the ball out quick, yeah, high percentage passes, short passing game. That is why Sam Bradford had that outrageously high completion percentage. Right. So they'll hit the ground running in that offense this year. There might have been some, some you know. That's a good point. Inconsistencies last year because it was a midseason change. Good point. Yeah. Uh, the New Orleans Saints, couple interesting notes. One, Willie Sneed is listed as a starter. Hell yeah, dude. I cannot Yay. I cannot wait for Sneed season need, 2017. Need for Sneed. No, no, no. I just want to say this. I am anti I am anti puns. This is this is this is known. Uh, and <laughs> my least favorite part about being a Sneed truther, longtime Sneed truther, I might add, is the puns. Change your handle to at need for Sneed. No. Under, underscore BYB. Two reasons I can't do that. One, if I change, if you change your handle, you lose your verification. And you know how hard we fought for those checks. True, true. <laughs> you know how hard we fought for those checks. We did. That was um, a fight. Yeah. And also, I just, like, can we not make puns every time we talk about Willie Sneed? Because I want to talk about him so much because I love so the guy. It's just so easy, though. I know, but it's easy. Challenge yourself to say something different, people. Come, come on. Okay. Fine. No more puns. But it's good news that Willie Sneed is listed as the number two wideout in New Orleans. Brandon Cooks is gone. Lots Ted, of targets. Ted Ginn was added, but I think Sneed is, you know, he uh, he's, I tweeted this last week. Uh, Sneed had, has had two seasons over 100 targets in his first two NFL years, and that is a feat never accomplished by one Ted Ginn. Wow. Nice. So I like. Go get you some Sneeds. I'm a big fan of Sneed this year. Uh, Mark Ingram's listed as uh, over Adrian Peterson as the starting running back. Who the hell knows how long that will hold? How do you how do you think that's it? how do you what, no, total we, stab in the dark? How does this how, how does this work out? We the Saints backfield has been the shrug emoji for like three or four five seasons for as long as I can remember. No one can ever figure out this backfield. It's not going to happen this year. We don't know. It's a huge question mark. They got Alvin Kamara back there as a rookie. Mark Ingram's probably maybe going to start as the one age, and Peterson is the one B. Who knows? I don't know. I don't have the answer. Nobody knows. I like it. Nobody knows. All I know is that Mark Ingram is a better pass catcher than Adrian Peterson, so that might give him a leg up early in the season as far as snap counts go. But then there's the other side of it that says, well, they'll just put Alvin Kamara in on uh, passing down. So I don't know, man. Sorry. Yeah, I kind of hope the uh... – the Saints end up trading Mark Ingram to a team that they're rumored to be talking to that we'll be talking about in just a few other teams. But before we do that, we have to talk about the Jets. Jets! So, Powell listed as the starting running back by Rich Samini, who is one of the best uh, writers in the game. Uh, Samini notes that Bilal Powell will share the workload with Matt Forte, but the hunch is that Powell... One of the most productive runners in the league last December will surpass Forte in terms of total touches. I like the sound of that because Powell, as he notes, he's not only been one of the best runners late in the league last year, he was awesome down the stretch in 2015 too. So I think he is the t more talented back right now with Forte 
probably trending towards done at this point. But yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's a surprise to see that on here. Um, I think people kind of feel it trending that way anyway with Forte sort of breaking down with age and injuries at the end of last year. You said Powell had a good end to last season. In weeks 14, 15, 16, 17, when season-long fantasy players probably weren't paying as much attention, he had 29, 16, 15, and 22 carries in those four games. Mm. Had 200-yard games. Um, he's more explosive. He's no spring chicken. He'll be 29 in October. That's, That's a good thing. So though. he's not like a guy you want to target in a dynasty league. Uh, but for redraft, I think he should go ahead of Forte. I think they just ran Forte into the ground last last year. And early in the year. Ooh. Early in the year. They yeah. ran him in the ground, and they didn't uh, you know, give him re- the rest that he needed as a veteran. They could have put – Powell was averaging like four or five carries a game for the – Two first two thirds of the season, and then plugged him in late when Forte was cooked. But maybe if they, maybe if it was more of a 50 50 split, Forte would have lasted longer. So I'm concerned about Forte breaking down. This could be it for him. I like Powell. He's explosive and efficient. Uh, it's just a matter of that Jets. What what's that Jets offense going to look like as a whole? Yeah, and and the other parts of that offense. Obviously, Josh McCown's listed as the starter uh, until he inevitably gets hurt in week one. That's what he does in the second quarter. Ugh, brutal. Um, and the starting wide receivers, alongside Eric Decker, who you know some people still whisper that he might not be on the team come week one, whether by trade or by cut. Mm-hmm. You know, he is coming off a major injury too, so it's worth noting the other players alongside him. One is Quincy Nunwa, who you mentioned off the top. Um, Correct. You wrote an article about. I'm going to be digging into him this weekend, so we're going to talk about him. Probably next week because he's someone that is suddenly set to inherit a lot of opportunity. For sure. Uh, Samini notes that Inunua, he says he's versatile, ascending player who could improve upon last season's numbers if he eliminates some drops. 105 targets, 58 catches last year. The other player listed as a starter is actually rookie Ardaria Stewart. And mm-hmm. Samini notes that the coaches love the rookie because he's tough, physical, and can make yards after the catch. That's a good note because that was Stewart's by far his best quality in reception perception. Not a great consistent separator on all routes, but definitely really good at making the first defender miss and even creating uh, big plays by breaking multiple tackles. Cool. I'm uh, I'm into it. I just don't know if Josh McCown gets hurt. What the Jets quarterback situation is, is just bad news. Couple sleepers to watch there. Um, something to watch is the Eagles' backfield, which looks gross right now. It's a mess, dude. Basically, their their number one guys, Wendell Smallwood, Darren Sproles. In this article, um, it says Darren Sproles is going to retire at the end of the year. He's old and he's kind of a pass. He's also catching. listed as the starter. Right. Like Tim right. McMahon as the Eagles writer has him as the top back on the depth chart. In my opinion, Wendell. In my opinion, Sproles doesn't have that skill set. My opinion, Wendell Smallwood should be the early down guy, and Sproles comes in as a change of pace and then they drafted Donnell Pumphrey who's I've said a thousand times he's a little water bug who weighs about a pound more than I do mm-hmm. he's got some skills but there's no way this guy can be a workhorse I feel like so the big part of this is they leave Ryan Matthews off this list mm-hmm. and uh, Jimmy Kemsky who I think is a Philly voice Eagles beat writer has written a couple articles about Ryan Matthews status saying the Eagles will inevitably cut him um, but they haven't yet because of the timing of his injuries and a, a contract situation there. So I think he's 30 or going to be 30. He had a pretty severe neck injury last year. He's never really been durable. He had fumble issues. I think Matthews is out. And I think the Eagles have to go get a guy like a LeGarrette Blunt or uh, another free agent back to be kind of their early down banger because I don't think any of these three guys, Sproles, Smallwood, or Pumphrey, 
have that capability. Yeah, I would agree. Do you think, I mean, LeGarrette Blunt is still out there. You yeah. know, he got slapped by this weird tender from the from the Patriots that says it's complicated. It's not worth even getting into. But if, if he doesn't sign with the team by a certain point, they retain his rights. He returns to their roster. Um, I think this is a good fit for Blunt. They have a pretty decent offensive line. Yeah. They need a banger. Um, but, yeah, I, I just can't imagine that they go into the season with this depth chart. No, it's crazy. When they drafted Pumphrey, I was it was a huge question mark. They need a big, they need someone big, a big banger back there. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, uh, it's it's a it's a it's definitely one of the top depth charts to watch this this uh, this preseason with the that it being the Eagles depth chart. The Steelers uh, article is pretty interesting. Uh, you know, obviously it mentions Antonio Brown, Eli Rogers, and Martavis Bryant as the starting receivers, but. Uh, the Steelers writer does note that he says the Steelers won't hand Bryant this spot after he missed the 2016 season with a suspension. But if he earns back trust, there's no denying he belongs to the starting lineup. Uh, perhaps rookie Juju Smith-Schuster or third-year man Sammy Coates can change that. But not Coates. Prob- it's not going to be Coates. <laughs> it's at least worth. It's at least worth noting that uh, the Steelers aren't just going to be like, all right, welcome back, Bryant. Like, yeah. the, but. By all indications, he's done everything right in the offseason. He's in good shape, et cetera, et cetera. So I expect good news. Good 49ers have, you know, much like the Rams, probably going to be a bad offense, but they have a ton of opportunity. Um, Carlos Hyde is listed as a starter here, but even this this article notes that he could get pushed. Um, I saw Evan Silva just recently actually tweeted out um, – <laughs> That uh, an article from the 49ers Press Democrat, 49ers Press Democrat.com by Grant Cohen, and the title is Does Carlos Hyde Fit Kyle Shanahan's Offense? Uh, and first, right away, he says, No, Carlos Hyde does not fit Kyle Shanahan's offense. Here's why he goes on to list one, two, three reasons. Um, and he th- and this writer says, This is why I think Williams will replace Hyde as the 49ers starting running back within the first few weeks of the regular season. Did Hyde fit Chip Kelly's offense? Uh, People said he didn't, wouldn't, because he couldn't catch passes and all that, and he still had an RB two type season. Yeah, I, I just Kelly. I mean, it's it's worth a conversation. Yeah. You know, it is yeah. it is worth a conversation. Yeah, and it certainly, but this idea that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch and these new decision makers with the 49ers are not sold on the idea that he's going to be a full time back. This was reported by. Uh, draft insider Tony Pauline before the draft. It's continued after the draft. There's been all this positive buzz about Joe Williams and the fact that Kyle Shanahan stood on the table and really loves him. Um, so this is going to be a situation to watch in the preseason. Uh, there's really no commitment to to Carlos Hyde at this point. Agreed. It'll be fun to watch. The pass catchers, you know, for Brian Hoyer, who's listed as the starter, I would imagine he holds that job throughout the year unless he gets injured. Logan Paulson is starting over Vance McDonald. Get out of here. Gross. Not everybody Vance now. Oh my god, that's another bad pun. Need for Sneed. I need you to stop. <laughs> I love Vance McDonald, dude. I know, yeah. You liked Vance McDonald going into last year. He had some pretty solid moments as Chip Kelly starting tight end. He, he uh, can move he, 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 for a big guy. He's got a lot of speed. He is athletic. Uh, he also signed a contract extension, which is interesting that right. they gave him an extension with that new staff or with that old staff there, and then he's they, they all got fired, obviously. Right. Now this new group is in there and they appear. They wanted to. This this article notes that they wanted to actually trade him during the draft, which was unsuccessful. Um, so Vance McDonald doesn't look like he's in favor with this new coaching staff. That sucks. Um, and Pierre Garcon obviously is a popular guy to inherit a ton of volume, but Marcus Goodwin is is listed as the starting number two receiver. He could be, you know, a guy that does have some big weeks every now and again. 
Niners are kind of in rough shape heading into this year. So The Seahawks, not in so much bad shape. Well, at least not their entire roster. But the running back core is a little up in the air. Sure is. Uh, Eddie Lacy, of course, signed in free agency. And this article really hammers home the fact that he's going to be the starter. Uh, the writer notes the Seahawks aggressively pursued him in free agency, and Lacey is the favorite to hold off Thomas Rawls as the team's feature back. Mm-hmm. Um, here's my thing. To borrow a phrase from our friend uh, Mark Sessler from the Around the NFL podcast, Lacey is officially on my radar as like one of my least favorite NFL players to talk about because the conversation is just so exhausting around him at this point. Yeah. Like, yeah. With the weight stuff, man. And I'm not even going to be here like, please don't fat shame Eddie Lacy. Like, I'm not saying that because I've, I've said before on Twitter, like, look, if the guy's overweight, he shouldn't be overweight. I don't want to make excuses for that. Like, you, here's a hot take. It's not, okay, it's not good to be overweight ever. Just a thought. Yeah, especially if you're getting paid millions of dollars to stay in shape. Right, and I don't even care about, like, I'm not even trying to get into his work ethic or all that. Whatever. Like, my point is just... Being overweight's bad for you. Yes. Don't be overweight. Right. Just a thought. Anyways, but really what's obnoxious to me is that <laughs> the the jokes are so bad. Yeah. And everybody is making the same one. It's old and it's tired. and If you honestly, like, I'm not going to do it on Twitter because I would never have to stop tweeting about it. But if people, I'm over like on a podcast with somebody at this point, like, and there's a, a lame, corny, same weight joke we've made with Eddie Lacy three hundred times. I'm gonna, I'm calling people out on you it should. now. You I'm, should. I'm, I'm, I'm getting out because it's obnoxious, man. Like, pull up the the fifty five. Like when the the the, the, the tweet this week about he made his fifty five thousand yeah. dollar roster bonus because he was in weight. Right. Everybody just slamming the same joke, yeah. and it's like, are you people? Do you have any self-awareness? Like, you realize everyone else is making the same joke. What's the point? What are you doing? Trying to make a splash, bro. Everyone wants to be funny. You're not all funny. Did you hear the one about the China food? Oh, yeah. $55,000 worth of China food. You and everyone else on freaking Twitter.com didn't already think of that. Oh, you heard heard that one? Yeah, heard that one. I'm not even yelling at you right now. I'm yelling at metaphorical (laughs) Twitter people. Get it out, dude. It's it's good. It's awful. Fantasy therapy. It's making me sick of Eddie Lacy. I'm like, si- I, I know, I get it. Gellar and I were talking about this last night. Like, I, it would be a great story to see Eddie Lacy bounce back and return to form with the Seahawks as their yeah. like new age Marshawn and Lynch. Shut everybody up. But I'm actively not rooting for that story to happen. I'm actively, I feel it subconsciously. I'm rooting against him because I want him to go away. Right. So, so that this narrative can end. So that the jokes can end. Yeah. So yeah. that. Lame sports writers stop making the same five jokes whenever he's tweeted about because he's been fat before. Right. God, just enough. <laughs> enough. All right, you got anything else? You got no. You got, you got, you <laughs> I'm with you, dude. I agree. It's stupid. It's old. It's tired. It's not funny. Just, just give the guy a break. Let him, let him carry the rock a few times, see what happens. But in terms of this backfield, how this backfield is going to play out in March, uh, I believe Pete Carroll said Thomas Rawls and CJ Procise were going to compete in camp for the lead spot. So that means they Seahawks, yeah, and then they signed Lacey after the fact. The Seahawks still hold CJ Procise, who was a rookie last year, got injured. As a guy who they think maybe can carry the load as a feature back there, if they think he's going to compete with Rawls, which is kind of intriguing to me. People just kind of think Procise is this guy who's going to 
split out as in the slot or whatever pass catching back which is you know that's his skill set and that's what he excels at but if Lacey struggles if Lacey gets hurt I can see this being a 50-50 split between Rawls and Procise. Maybe Rawls isn't the guy we saw in 2015. He struggled a little bit last year, so it's going to be interesting. It makes sense that Lacey's going to get the first shot at this because he's getting paid a bunch of money. Rawls was an undrafted free agent. I think they took Procise in the third round last year. Uh, but it's interesting, and it's going to be confusing and frustrating for fantasy owners. That's my take. I've said all I need to say on this. All right, let's move on to the next team. I mean, yeah, last team to talk about. I don't have a lot of energy anymore after what we just discussed. That's but fine. Washington, their depth chart, John Kime, really good beat writer. He notes that he lists Samaje Piran over Rob Kelly as the starting running back and S- says... Samash J. Samash J. He lists the cast iron. <laughs> the cast iron pan is cooking. He's cooking. He's cooking. He's buttered up. Uh, He's seasoned and ready to go. He notes that Rob Kelly ended last season as a starter, but he'll be a complimentary piece to, to Piran. That's what uh, Kime predicts. Yeah, and uh, I think Matt Wallman kind of hinted at the same idea. P. Ryan's just more talented back than Rob Kelly. Seems to be the consensus right now. Well, I'm spent. We need to take a break, uh, go to commercial, and when we come back, we'll talk music and beer. I need a beer after that. Yeah. All right. All right, everybody, we want to remind you about the sponsor of today's show. It's the Duchamp's Grooming Company. Their vintage-inspired, handmade grooming products for the modern-day man are incredible. They have a fantastic beard oil and beard balm to get your facial hair looking just right. They also have a hair wax to make you look stylish as as all get out, or even a little bit of lip balm there that's scented very nice. Now, for the ladies out there, if you still want to grab some products from them, which we encourage you to do so, they have plenty of kits to get your loved ones a present. All these handmade products are awesome. I use them every day. I have them in my pocket right now. They even have a signature scent. Um, You can find all this stuff at the online shop at www.duchampsgroming.co. That's duchampsgrooming.co. They have an online shop and follow them on Instagram, duchampsgroomingco, and on Twitter, at Duchamps Groom Co. Find them, follow them, retweet them, and buy their stuff. All right, let's get back to the show. All right. Hey guys, welcome back. Before we get into our music and beer section this week, we have to tell you who sponsors this segment. It's the same guys as last time, Flag and Anthem. It's a men's clothing line. They make classics that are always cool, and we're rewarding our our podcast listeners with a 25% off promo code, uh, Fantasy Hipsters, one word, on your first order at flagandanthem.com. They make uh, really nice short-sleeve button-ups. I'm wearing one right now, a white one with a little blue on the the sleeve to contrast. I know they they do t-shirts, they got shorts. I think, Harmon, you're wearing a pair of their jeans, their denim. Got the jeans on right now. The denim is comfortable. It fits well. Um, They got some new stuff on the website, flagandanthem.com, for their summer season. Uh, New shirts are up. They got some hats, even some cool graphic tees. Uh, so go to flagandanthem.com, enter promo code Fantasy Hipsters one word, get 25% off, go follow them on Twitter and Instagram, they need your help on social media, and they do random sales on social, so maybe you can uh, upgrade that 25% off with one of those sales, Flag and Anthem. All right, let's get into the music section this week. Let's do it. 
I'm going to talk about a band that's very near and dear to my heart. I've known about this. I've, I've been going to see this band and listening to this band since 2008, I believe. So that's almost 10 years. Damn. Mm. I'm old. Yeah, you are old. That's okay, though. You I'm basically good. Matt Forte. You look good for your age. Thanks, buddy. Anyway, <laughs> they're called Rubble Bucket. So it's a little... This is a pretty hip... This is out there. This is a pretty hipster pick. I've done some mainstream picks the last few weeks. Shame on me. Uh, this is a hipster pick if I've ever heard one. Rubble Bucket. They're, I think, a six or seven piece band. Their genre is indie mm. dance rock. But don't let the genre throw you off. Their lead singer is female. Her, her name's Kalmia. She plays, I think, baritone saxophone and sings. They have a trumpet player. They got a trombone player. They got percussion. Uh, they got guitar and bass. And they kind of started out as an Afrobeat kind of band. I don't know if you guys know what Afrobeat is. It's like an African-inspired... Uh, Fela Kuti would, like, invented it. He's like a legendary musician out of Africa. So they started out with a sound that was kind of inspired by Afrobeat and over the years they've evolved into more of this indie rock band but the horn section gives it a nice feel um, and Kalmia's voice is just really comforting for me. Mm. Uh, it's one of those bigger voices. She doesn't have a huge range but she's just, there's something comforting about her voice that I found. Some of their stuff's a little weird, I'm not gonna lie. Some of the stuff is weird but I've been seeing them play live for, for years and years and they're actually playing the Troubadour out here in West Hollywood on Thursday night. So I'm going to go uh, check out my Twitter and Instagram feeds. I'll be posting pictures and videos and stuff like that. So I'm really pumped to go see Rubble Bucket. They just put out an EP called If You See My Enemies. Um, I believe that is on Spotify now. And all their stuff is on Spotify. Actually, though, they have one album that's not on Spotify. You can't get it Ooh. anywhere because it's their old sound I was talking about. And after they evolved into this new sound... They were like, we're not going to make this album available anymore because it doesn't represent us. But I have that album because I'm, I was on it before they were cool. Oh, hell yeah. I have that Love album it. on my iPod Touch Generation 3 that's collecting dust. But I have it. You have it. You I have it. Counts. Anyway, go check out Rubble Bucket. I'll add some of my favorite songs to the Spotify, Spotify Hipsters Picks playlist. Rubble Bucket. Go check them out. I love it. Soothing female voice, seven-piece band, super underground. I'm in. I'll oh, be, yeah. They, I will be listening. They got instrumentals. They got some stuff in your face. They got some weird avant-garde stuff Sick. going on. It's it's all good. It's all good. Righteous. Their shows are a party. I dig it. It's a, it's a really good time. Sounds fun. Yeah. Well, uh, my beer pick for this week, this actually, I got to give a special shout out to a Fantasy Hipsters listener. Uh, he's on Twitter at Chung underscore Lou, uh, L-E-W. Uh, he, I guess, lives in Montreal. And when I obviously listened and found out I was going to be there, he sent me a really great recommendation. Uh, it's called, I'm going to probably butcher this pronunciation because, I mean, I can barely read listeners' Twitter handles on the uh, Mail Satchel episode. But it's, right. Brass, it's Brasserie, which brewery, Du Seal. This is the name of the restaurant. Yes. Yeah. It's great. It was in Montreal. Um, and they had the best, so hell of a recommendation by our listener because they had the best beer uh, I had in Montreal the entire time I was there. Uh, this was their IPA. It's a, one of their rotating beers. Of course it was an IPA. Whatever. Uh, Moralite. M-O-R-A-L-I-T-E. It was awesome. As soon as I got there, I uh, just, they get like for two fifty, you can buy like the little like flight sized ones. Had four beers and that was one I was like, yep. That, that was my favorite one. Nice. Uh, so it was awesome. Sat there with my two buddies 
on the trip. Uh, had a hell of an afternoon eating and drinking there. Uh, and then we, it was awesome. We rode the city bikes back. Uh, you know those, I don't, if you live oh, in yeah. a big city, you know what they are. Oh, like, yeah. They have them here in downtown LA. You rent the bike and then you drop it off at another station. We rode that pretty much the whole downhill, downhill uh, way back to where awesome. we were staying. So I was going to say, is it hilly like San Francisco? Oh, yeah. It would not have ridden it up oh, to yeah. this place. <laughs> but on the way back, it was perfectly fine. Nice. Um, so, but yeah, that, that beer was awesome. I mean, what? it's brewed in, in Quebec uh, and then uh, it, obviously in Montreal. It's brewed right there. The whole place is really cool to see. Um, Sweet. Really great. 6.9 ABV. Uh, it was awesome. Really, really damn good beer. Like I said, and I, and I drank many, 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 many beers whilst in Montreal, but this was my favorite. So shout out to the listener who Hell recommended yeah. it. Um, sorry we didn't get to meet up or anything, but it was your your recommendation makes it onto the podcast. Nice. Shout out for recommendations in Montreal. Absolutely. Hey, we, yeah. we're always recommend or open to beer recommendations. That's right. Uh, but that's it for this episode of the Fantasy Hipsters Podcast. Nice, beefy episode. We went kind of around the NFL there to talk about a bunch of different teams and their depth chart. Thanks to all the ESPN writers who worked their asses off to do to put those things together. Those sure. are always good talking points at this point in the season. Um, shout out to uh, our listeners uh, who continue to support this show. And shout out to our sponsors, Two Champs Grooming and FlagandAnthem.com. Uh, if you guys, hey, listen, if we we're we're open for more advertisers too. So if you listen to the show and you've got a product, hit us up. We'll sell it for sure. We're good at that. Duh. We're open to that. Uh, shout out to Matt Harmon for his rant on Eddie Lacy. I'm still tired from that. <laughs> that was epic. That was a lot of feelings. I was I I was planning on talking about that, but that was a lot more than I even thought was going to happen. That was good stuff. That was good audio. I M O. Good stuff. Well, I W B H. <laughs> oh boy, let's not even get into that. <laughs> Uh, so listen to the show of course continue to check us out uh, you can email us fantasyhipsters at gmail.com follow us on twitter at fantasyhipsters follow Matt Franchise at Matt Franchise follow me at Matt Harmon underscore BYB go to receptionperception.com to pre-order the ultimate draft kit where you've got all of the reception perception profiles coming out and lastly subscribe to the YouTube page where you get to like see a lot of really cool videos and see what we do behind uh, behind the camera here that's what's up beautiful alright well we said it all. Hipsters out. Hipsters out. Hey. Uh, you're listening to Fantasy Hipsters Podcast. It's episode 16. And it's the final episode ever. So we're deleting our accounts after this one. What do you think about that? Uh, I'm fine with that. You we, know I've always wanted to leave society. Right. And this is a pretty good time to start. <laughs> Just leave society that's so like... It sounds incredible. Mysterious. I know. Where are you going to go? Like New Zealand? Maybe. Just some Just unexplored... Stand on a rock with like a shepherd's stick and like look out across the meadow. Mm-hmm. Some unexplored territory. Mars. Mars would be aggressive. I don't know if I have the funding for that. Uh, but yeah, I would love to just bounce out and, you know, just maybe, th you know, do like a Marshawn Lynch on his first retirement. Just right. throw up a peace emoji on all my social media accounts and like a picture of Charlie and I driving into the sunset and never to be heard from again. That would be sad. We wouldn't. Our fans wouldn't want that. They want you around. I think it would add to the intrigue. 
I mean, I'm only going to leave society for like a temporary period, so it'll just be like, when is he going to be back? Just like Lynch. Exactly. He kind of like left it open-ended. Pretty much. Had some unfinished business, now he's coming back. Yeah. Just, so that's what my exit from society will be like.